The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Soulful Living on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Terry Williams. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of Soulful Living here at Empower Radio. I do a lot of things in my life. One of the foundations for how I move through the world is meditation, mindfulness, shamanic journeying. For a lot of people, understanding all of that can be a challenge. Even for me, like I... I feel like I know nothing in the realm of mindfulness and meditation and spirit. And every day I am brought to a new awareness and a new sense of enlightenment and a new sense of awe. I feel like all of it is here to help us shift our consciousness in some way and help us move through the world in a better way. And as a business owner, I mean, even my my household is kind of like my business, right? Um, It's important to lead with that same perspective of being mindful and gracious and, and um, honoring every soul. My guest today, Mark Lesser, who's the co-founder of the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, has a beautiful book. He has several beautiful books, really. But the one we're going to talk about today is Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, Lessons from Google in a Zen Monastery Kitchen. Well, that really should help get us all off on, on a mindful foot. So welcome to Soulful Living, Mark. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> I really love that. And I love that um, in the introduction that I received for the book, it talks about your blending, your leadership experience, running that Zen monastery kitchen, leading mindfulness trainings for Google engineers, and then starting the search inside yourself Institute, how you combined it all and really brought about this new sense of wisdom for leadership. I wish you could, I wish you could reach out to the leaders of our country and all of the countries. I think it would be a huge benefit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, I think this is the, 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 the biggest challenge. I mean, I think we're seeing, it's interesting how much I think, uh, shifting and growth we're seeing, in the business world, um, all, all around the world. I mean, I, I find uh, I do quite a lot of trainings, um, you know, not only here in the States, but in, in Asia and Australia. And, and I get to work with a lot of leaders and I feel like there's, um, incredible, uh, interest in, 
in this realm of mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and uh, diversity. But as you're pointing, we're not we're we're not seeing it. At least, well, I think we're. Yeah, it's hard to hard to even talk about our 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 government and governments around the world are places that mm-hmm. seem to have the most the most impact and you know highest impact, highest stakes, and and highest needs, but. Maybe I don't know. We can go there or not go there, but I'll let you. I think I'll that's let, a, you know. You. I think that's a long conversation that maybe we'll just have a directed, um, a directive show on that one day. But as I was reading your book, uh, it really came to me that the leaders of our country could use that. And since a lot of our leadership is founded on or supported by businesses tapping into leaderships of these businesses, you know, like Google and some of the others out there is a really good start. And the work that you're doing, so you brought up emotional intelligence. Let's give the listeners a little bit of an idea of what emotional intelligence really looks like, sounds like. Right, right. I think the core, you know, the core of emotional intelligence, I think, has to do with uh, awareness, developing one's self-awareness and and uh, awareness of others, but self-awareness is the kind of the foundational skill. And, and one of the things that I really appreciate about some of the the new findings and 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 teachings in the realm of um, emotional intelligence is to view it as as skills, as a set of skills. So things mm-hmm. like that self-awareness is a skill that that self management, right? Managing difficult um, emotions to seeing it as a, as a skill or capacity that understanding, understanding your motivation, like what, what's really important to you and what is your vision for how you want to take what's important to you into the world and, and resilience. These are all kind of part of that kind of motivational skills. Um, Empathy to see that you can actually develop your own sense of feeling, you know, feel, being aware and feeling the feelings of others. And probably one of the most um, important and difficult pieces of emotional intelligence is communication skills, right? Social skills is, is how, how we're actually having uh, conversations. What is the quality of our, of our listening? So this is, these are kind of, I think, some of the core uh, pieces or headlines of what I think of as um, uh, emotional intelligence. And and one of the real interesting things that's happening right now is that the way that this this practice of meditation and mindfulness practice is being integrated into the into this realm of uh, emotional intelligence and is being valued and seen as a as an important uh, aspect because you, know, you you can't read about you can't read about and study emotional intelligence and have it have it have much impact. Uh, this is where I think having some kind of a body practice, some kind of a somatic practice, that that really helps you to gives you a chance in actually shifting your own uh, self awareness and other emotional intelligence skills. Well, I don't think that people can really 
comprehend something until they experience it. So if they can experience within that somatic sense, then they have a greater chance of actually even empathizing. You know, if we wanted to go with just empathy, that once they feel it in some way, they're able to really relate to it on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, to- totally, totally. There's something about... Um, Right, making yourself vulnerable, vulnerable enough, open enough to to feel, right? To feel, mm-hmm. you know. And it's interesting. In, I mean, these are um, in, in in the book that you refer to. Uh, you know, some of the core practices are things like connecting, connecting with your own pain and connecting with the pain of others, uh, are are ways to kind of take take this practice of empathy and and kind of make it make it more uh, of an experience and a way to go deeper by actually realizing that it's not just some hypothetical f- feelings it's actually connecting with what's difficult connecting with what's painful well i think so often that um, especially like my generation, my parents' generation, they told us not to connect, get over it, move past it, you know, don't cry, right. don't feel, don't do. Well, really what that did was for looking just at myself, I mean, I've been working on myself forever. Um, for me, what that did was cause the opposite of probably what my parents thought was going to happen instead of creating a person that is more grounded and balanced and compassionate. It did the opposite, right? I, I mean, I see that in my clients. I see that with my family members. You have to be able to feel it. You have to be able to recognize it uh, in order to connect with it for yourself. And, you know, kind of like our conversation was leading to earlier with others. Um, so let's talk about the seven practices of a mindful leader. You know, you talked about that being like one of the steps. Um, I really love this book. I feel like I want to go back and reread it and break down each chapter, share it with my family, share it with my friends, my clients, my colleagues. I loved that in each um, each section of the book, each component of it, you break it down into really easy, easily to move through pieces. Um, and you have integration and meditation and inspiration. And it really helped me to connect. I like how you broke it down into investigate, um, connect, right? I thought that was really wonderful. So let's talk about the first, first practice, which was love the work. What does that mean? What is love? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what it means, I mean, often when people hear it, they, they think that it means to, you know, to love the particular job or particular role that you're doing. And that's great. You know, that's important, but this, this is um, separate from that. This is, this means to, to love the work of developing your awareness, to love Mm. the work of, of, of understanding your own humanity and, Mm -hmm. and to see that, that that's that's the real work, you know. Uh, I uh, often people come to me, you know, wanting to uh, get some clarity about their their work life or what kind of career they should have, and 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 more and more, I find myself directing people to start with 
to start with, what's what's important to you in your heart, in your own, in your own? Uh, what what are your what are your uh, what are your values? What really matters to you? And and out of that, you can figure out what you know what kind of work, what kind of role you should be. Um, but people often want to skip over that that step. And there is just something about. I mean, I um, I remember discovering it. I was. Uh, I was in my early 20s when I first came across this kind of concept of self-awareness and self-actualization, and I remember thinking, you know, why why isn't everyone doing this? Like, how, I, I'm I'm not going to be able to be in a healthy relationship. I'm not going to be able to ever be a really full, satisfied human being until I I do this work. And what I've discovered is that the work continues, you know, mm-hmm. your, no matter no matter how how successful or how self-aware you uh, you are, uh, life life will continue to uh, provide um, challenge, challenges, and that this um, this practice is keep coming back to to loving developing your own understanding of of yourself and of the world. One of the words that you used several times in the book, which I absolutely, it's my, one of my favorite words was cultivating. And, and as you're talking, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, we're constantly tilling the soil and cultivating this sense of awareness and mindfulness. That's where we are. Yeah. And it's interesting. The, um, you know, uh, some of the early words that are translated even as, you know, meditation practice in fact i think it's a um a tibetan word gom that that mm. literally means to to cultivate right that mm. this 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 work and i think you know in a way when i the, the first practice of love of the work mm-hmm. it, it's um, it's almost parallel with this sense of uh culti- cultivation you know mm-hmm. like i think that i think even that a uh, a, a farmer or someone who is really taking care of, you know, soil and plants is, is, is it, it, it's almost, you have to assume that there's great care and great, great love there underneath it. Mm, well, it's interesting. I, I met somebody last week that's from Montana. I'm in Michigan and it's this older guy and, he asked me what I did and I said, well, do you want my earth reality job or do you want my spiritual job? Right. But anyway, he, he got it. And he said, you know what? I have been working the land for years and I feel like that that brings me to a greater sense of mindfulness. And he said, that's my meditation. So you're absolutely right. They get it. They get it. Um, Okay. So then let's talk about number two, doing the work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, right. It's one thing. It's one thing to uh, uh, to appreciate and cultivate and love the work, but you actually need to have some kind of a practice. Right. Uh, actually, have, actually have to. I mean, and I, I talk about uh, two buckets of practices. What I mm-hmm. call, um, you know, there there are the dedicated practices, which are things like meditation, things like doing retreats, things like doing journaling, where you step out of the busyness of your life. And then integrated practice is, is how you then take, uh, take those, the learnings that, and understandings from doing those practices into your, 
uh, into your life. You know, I, you, you kind of mentioned it. You, you, you spoke early on about your, that you are a businesswoman, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, I'm, uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a Zen teacher with an MBA degree. I'm someone who uh, I, I run, I like starting and running companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like spreadsheets, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and there's also something about uh, the, the challenge and paradox of the integration, right. Of not, not leaving out um, the, the human side, the spiritual side, the mindfulness mm-hmm. side, and not leaving, and not leaving out uh, the business side, the, right. uh, that, um, that, that having, having goals and meeting, meeting deadlines and all that stuff is, um, is important. So this is, this is, um, the practice of doing the work is the kind of into both having time outside of, of your busyness, but also how you in- integrate these different, what look, what looks like these separate worlds and to, to see that they're actually, actually one world. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you move into don't be an expert. And one of the uh, sub paragraphs really step out, stuck out to me, nervous apes, uh, love being experts. And um, so don't be an expert. Let's expand a little bit upon that, if you will. Yeah, well, there's, I think in our, it, it's kind of a human, um, you know, uh, human tendency to want to want to be right, to want to be the best to want, you know, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm often um, laughing when I teach, I teach meditation in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And right away, right away, I see people wanting to, to be the best meditators you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, 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 and have to kind of point out that in this realm, uh, the idea is to be a beginner. The idea mm-hmm. is to open, open up your mind, open up your curiosity and to see what happens when you let go of wanting to be right or wanting to be the best. And, and again, it's a little bit paradoxical. You know, we all, uh, on the one hand, we, we all come to whether it's spiritual practice or whether it's work practice. It, it, is, it is about envisioning something and want, wanting to attain something or wanting to develop or cult, right? So even cultivating is a sense of progression. It's a sense of mm-hmm. movement, but on the, but within this practice, there's, we also need to let it go. We also need mm-hmm. to have the courage the, the courage to see what happens when we put aside our sense of, um, of being right or our sense of, of expertise. So this is the, the kind of the courage to be in that, that place of curiosity and not knowing. Well, it's funny because when I teach, I tell people, hey, if I ever act like I'm the expert, put me in my place because I don't know everything. I know I know I know one iota of what there is available to know out there. And if you have light to shed, please share it with me because I would I want to know. And one of the other things in there was embrace failure, which I really love, too. I mean, I went through a time in my life where I would think to myself, oh my God, I screwed that up again, blah, 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 blah. And now I might say, oh my God, I screwed that up again. But at the same token, I'm like, okay, all right, on to the next thing. That was good. Let's just keep going here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, easier, easier said than done, right? Right. We hate failure. We hate being wrong. We hate making mistakes. And yet, and yet, 
you know, there's, 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 there's no reason, it, there's no reason to, um, to beat ourselves up. So it's like learning it once, once, you know, we make a mistake, we break a cup, whatever, whatever it is um, mm-hmm. to learn from it. And so number four in that, um, those first four, you kind of link together as your investigative section. Um, number four was connect to your pain, find the yeah. benefit. In it. Yeah. Well, this, you know, in, in some way, this goes back, uh, to the 2,500 year old teaching of the historical Buddha who, mm. uh, one of his early teachings was called the, the four noble truths and, and the first of these truths is to connect to your pain, is to is to don't avoid uh, the pain of change, the pain of not getting what you want, of getting what you don't want, the pain that that um, we know as humans that we will lose everyone and everything that that we mm-hmm. that we have this we have this great uh, this great gift of our own uh, our own uh, impermanence and. And somehow, uh, all these different kinds of uh, pains, by not avoiding it, it's where the real, the real juice and satisfaction and uh, and courage comes comes from. Is is like not avoiding what's difficult. Yeah, like you were you were talking about that most of us were brought up right to just get over it. Just mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I think we um, many of us took took it to heart. I I know I know I did. I know I. I learned uh, I learned great skills and strategies around avoiding what was mm-hmm. what was difficult, and and I've had to uh, I've had to work at staying with staying with what's difficult, um, you know. And in some way, in a very practical way, I've noticed uh, as a leader and and in the world of work, um, one of the most important things I've learned is to not avoid difficulty, to not avoid conflict, to not avoid, you know, even um, the the failure of not meeting goals, the failure of having, you know, financial, financial issues, boy, you know, like it's not a good thing to avoid them to much, um, much, uh, much better practice to face those difficulties head on. Right, right on. Okay, so the second component of the book is connect. And in that is uh, chapters four and five or sections four and five, connect to the pain of others, like seeing, I took it as kind of seeing your similarities and how that creates one of the subtitles, a more peaceful world, and also depending on others and how these two components really are interwoven. Yeah, I mean, I think we, um, it's easy to forget or deny or get lost in just how, how incredibly connected we are to, to the people around us uh, in, in, in so many, so many ways, um, you know, that are our, our, own, uh, our own identities and then practically, you know, that, that the, uh, it's just an in- incredibly uh, interdependent world that we live in. Uh, I really love in the um, things in the chapter on depend on others, uh, things like um, paying attention to, you know, I, I, I talk about a couple of Google studies. There's a study called uh, Google Aristotle, uh, and there's Go- in, in which Google wanted to know what is it that makes great teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and they were surprised at the findings um, that 
that what they came up with, they, they, they noticed something that was difficult to measure, but it was something that really came out again and again in people working well together, which was that they, they established what they called psychological safety, mm-hmm. right? That there was a, a kind of a deep kind of trust in, in one another uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't there in teams that, that didn't do as well. Mm, wow. I can only imagine that. And also you had in that chapter about meditating with others, which I thought was really cool too, and the importance of that. So as we kind of get down to the wire here, um, the last component, the integration was seven, keep making it simpler. Um, one of my, one of my thoughts has always been just keep it simple. We overcomplicate it. Uh, so, but in that chapter, you talk about, uh, being both relaxed and alert and taking three breaths. And, um, we've only got like two minutes or so left, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how we can keep making it simpler and and implement that into our lives. Yeah, there's, um, you know, I think I end, end the book with a a three breaths practice, which is, Mm -hmm. No, with with one breath, just to to notice um, notice that you're breathing. Uh, with the second breath, kind of notice, be aware of your body. And with the third breath, just to ask, what's what's the most important thing right now? Mm. And and I think I think that's um, again, there's a lot of different practices for for keeping one's life simple. But I think coming back coming back to what what really matters now? What's, what's most important in this moment right now? Mm. And really, isn't that what mindfulness is about um, this moment and, and moving through this moment with grace and ease? Yeah. And I think, and, and with grace and ease and by uh, staying with, staying with what, what, what matters. Uh, what, mm. what, 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 what is, um, what's essential right now and letting, and, and I think for us, it means, uh, being aware of what's extra, what we're, whatever we're doing that's extra and mm-hmm. to let it go and to let it go. Mm-hmm. I love that. So normally I would ask my guests to leave the listeners with a thought to take out into the day. I think we just did that. Um, so um, thank you, Mark, so much for being here with me today and sharing your work. Listeners, again, um, conversation with Mark Lesser. We are talking about the seven practices of a mindful leader. I think that this book you can incorporate into your life wherever you are, whether you are um, a business owner, whether you are a farmer, as we talked about, whether you're a housewife, whatever, well, a house husband, wherever you are in the path of life, this is a book that will enhance it. And Mark, if you could just one more time reiterate the three breaths. I love that. Yeah, it's just a simple, and it's actually something that anyone can do anytime, whether you're driving your car or about to be in a meeting or having a difficult conversation. Um, yeah, just to, with, with the first breath, just to notice that you're breathing, uh, with the second breath, just to be aware of your body. Um, and with the third breath to just allow the question to come up, what's Mm -hmm. most important right now? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you, Thank you, Terry.
Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.